Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Tudor, as we talk to you about college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 115. This week marks the first week since 1961 that the following three are outside the AP Top 25. Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky are not in the AP Top 25. But full disclosure, at the time, the AP only like published the Top 10. Um, so technically, I guess you could probably uh, dispute this fact. But it is a fact based on the AP publications that they haven't been in the top 25 since 1961 until now. So, or they've been outside of it. You know what I meant. It's all good. We're off to a great start to this episode of the 8311 cast, going right into basketball, as I have just alluded to. Well, and speaking of teams that are not in the top 25, uh, the men's basketball team, they're still not in it. And matter of fact, uh, they aren't playing right now, which possibly could be for the better. Uh, this team, the team has had to pause all activities due to COVID protocols. So far, it has postponed games against Tan- Kansas, Texas, and Texas Tech. Uh, the Texas Tech game was supposed to take place this weekend on Saturday. Uh, so as of right now, the team is not, not participating in any practices and following all the guidelines that they need to, um, which – Maybe maybe they needed some time away from the court to get things back together. Uh, it's tough to say what's what's going to transpire at the end of this season. Uh, we just brace yourselves. I, in my opinion, we might be seeing a new head coach uh, in Ames, Iowa next year for the Cyclones. When you look at Steve Prohm's uh, career uh, winning percentage, at Iowa State, I mean, you have to look at the year, his first year when he still had Fred Hoiberg's players, uh, as well as the one year uh, that they um, won the Big 12 tournament again with um, the Tyrese Halliburton squad that freshman or his freshman season. Um, Other than that, it's been some pretty down years. Yes, he can recruit, but outside of that, it's hard to say that he's had consistency on the court uh, as a coach for this team. Um, and it starts, it, it, you start to look at how long is the leash um, for coach Prome? See, I think you hold on to coach Prome for one year because I think there's no chance that Nebraska fires Fred Hoiberg after this year. But if he has another awful year at Nebraska, like he's had last year and is having again this year, there's a chance that they fire Fred Hoiberg at Nebraska, and then you can hire Fred Hoiberg again. So I hold on to Coach Prome for another year, just out of the outside chance that you get Fred Hoiberg to come back. So, yeah, I mean, Ames, Iowa would love it. That's for sure. Cyclone fans would love it. But you look at Coach Prome's record at Iowa State. He's 97 and 80, which is only a 55%, roughly a 55% winning percentage. Not great. And then you go to the Big 12 conference record in which he is 40 and 55, a 42% winning percentage. He has only had two two seasons above 500 in conference play, one season at 500, and the rest of them 
didn't look great. The 17, 18, 4 and 14, 19 and 20 last season, 5 and 13 in conference, and so far this year, 0 and 5 in conference. Uh, it, we could be looking at a new head coach roaming the uh, sidelines on uh, at Hilton Coliseum here, I would think either next season or possibly the season after. Maybe a Fred Hoiberg replacement uh, would be good for the Cyclones. Also, other news, Fred Hoiberg announced this week via his Twitter that he has COVID, so we wish him the best in recovering from that. Uh, but moving forward to a team that is playing very well and which we haven't covered much of, and we're going to be covering more of uh, right now, starting now, the Iowa State women's team led by Ashley Jones and uh, and um, Emily Ryan who both this week earned Big 12 Player of the Week for Ashley Jones and Big 12 Freshman of the Week in Emily Ryan as they took down Baylor this week in Waco. It is the first time that they have won in Waco since 1997, and they snapped Baylor's uh, active, longest active home court winning streak in NCAA women's basketball at 61 games. As of right now, they own first place uh, in the Big 12 Conference with an overall conference record of 5-1 and one and an overall record of 9-4. and four. They're on a three-game winning streak right now. Their sole loss this season uh, in conference play was at Texas. Uh, so if you look ahead for them, or Texas is ranked or is fifth in the conference right now with a 3-2 and two conference record. So between Iowa State's record and probably their biggest competitor, Baylor down the stretch, what they get, which they will get Baylor again at home on January 31st, which would be a game to watch. It's on a Sunday at four o'clock. Uh, this team could be looking at potentially winning the Big 12 championship this year. And Baylor has won that title at least outright or shared a uh, – shared that title with another team for the past, I believe, 10 consecutive seasons. They're getting up there with Kansas's winning streak in men's basketball in conference. So that would be a huge accomplishment for this team as Bill Finley just continues to recruit. And this team can rain threes. Holy buckets. They set a record uh, this season against Texas Tech for three-pointers made in a game uh, in, in Iowa State history. Um, so this team is very, very good. Mike, yeah, that, that women's team could uh, can definitely go places. When you end a sixty-one game home winning streak like they did uh, to Baylor, you know you you know you got a good team. So even without fans, that's a good team. Um, switching back over to the men's side here quickly, they um, the NCAA announced um, new scheduling, um, for the NCAA tournament. So, um, as we've mentioned previously, it's all going to be played at one site in Indianapolis this year. So you won't see any changes to the, um, any major changes to the bracket. It's still the same 68 team field. Um, a little bit of the bracketing changed, which we'll get into on a later episode once it gets closer to the tournament. But the biggest change to be aware of now is the days of the week that the games, um, I played on is going to be different this year from um, other years. So previously, remember the first four was played on Tuesday and Wednesday, right? With then the round of 64 being played Thursday, Friday, 
and then the round of 32 Saturday, Sunday, right? That's going to change this year. The first four will be played um, on Thursday, March 18th. So the first four starting on a Thursday, then the round of 64 is going to take place on Friday and Saturday, March 19th and 20th. And then um, the round of 32 taking place on Sunday and Monday. Um, that same change is also going to apply to Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games with the Sweet 16 games that were normally on a Thursday, Friday, now going to a Friday, Saturday, and the Elite 8 going to Saturday, Sunday. Um, the Final Four is going to stay as it was with the um, semifinal games on Saturday, April 3rd, and the championship game as normal on a Monday, Monday, April 5th. Um, Easter weekend. So the slight change, um, the women's tournament has always been structured that way with going Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, as opposed to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so if you're the kind of person who likes to, you know, just, you know, block off your work calendar in the afternoon on, uh, on March Madness days, keep that in mind that you want to block off the Friday and the Monday, as opposed to the Thursday and the Friday. Um, keep that in mind as you're making your plans, but otherwise we're set for a regular um, NCAA tournament as far as um, bracketing goes. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I was de We were deprived of it last year, so it'll be fun to have it happen. And frankly, the NCAA and all the athletic departments need it to happen because they can't stand to not have the revenue for it. For so if you think what happened in college sports this year was bad, it'll just be worse um, if they can't do an NCAA tournament. Keep an eye on that. Um, but before we get to the NCAA tournament, of course, we've got to get through the Super Bowl. And we marched one step closer to the Super Bowl um, this week. And Kyle will fill us in on all the NFL matchups from this past weekend, NFL divisional playoff round. Yeah, it was, as Mike said, the divisional round has come and gone. Uh, another uh, week in the NFL successfully completed and it, it was an entertaining weekend, I should say. Uh, you were able to watch the Packers on Fox. The Bills were on NBC. The Chiefs on CBS. We got to see the Bucks featured on the History Channel. And the Steelers, well, you got to watch them on TikTok this week as they got to sit at home and watch this divisional round. But Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers were dynamic and just overall too much for the L.A. Rams, who – were able to start Jared Goff in this game. Uh, the Rams did hang around for three quarters. Their defense played uh, pretty pretty well and held Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay in check for a little bit. Aaron Donald was apparent, very apparently injured and nursing uh, in that injury from the past weekend's game against the Seahawks. Uh, and he just wasn't as dynamic of a playmaker as he usually was. Aaron Rodgers ended up throwing for nearly 300 yards and two touchdowns, and former Cyclone Alan Lazard caught a, pat, a touchdown pass in this game as well. And the Packers will be moving on to the NFC Championship game next weekend. The Bills and the Ravens uh, squared off in up in Buffalo. It was a splustery day, as it usually is uh, in northern uh or i guess upstate new york i should say uh it was a defensive game in the beginning especially a defensive game when the bills uh snagged a lamar jackson pass and returned it 101 yards for a 
interception touchdown. Uh, and that put the Bills up for good. Lamar Jackson got injured at the end of the third quarter. Um, and no, it wasn't just a poop this time. He was actually injured for real. Uh, so much so that Bills fans have been donating in $8 increments to his charity. And thank you and also sorry for uh, injuring him in that game, but thanking him for allowing the Bills to get to the uh, AFC championship game, which they have not done since Mike might have to fact check me on this, but I believe it's been since the 1990s uh, since the bills have last appeared in a championship game. Uh, just not enough juice in the tank for a comeback. They were down Robert Griffin, the third, as well as trace McSorley. They had the rookie quarterback from uh, university of Utah up from their practice squad and he had he threw a couple good pa good looking passes but in the end they just weren't able to convert on a fourth down uh and the bills are moving on this game or to the afc championship game next weekend in which they will face the chiefs as the chiefs were able to hold off the browns uh the chiefs had it early had it going early on uh the rust didn't seem like an issue a lot there was a lot of concern surrounding Patrick Mahomes having sat for three weeks since uh, he didn't play in week 17 and they had that first round bye. he looked good on the first several drives other than a missed extra point and a missed field goal in a blustery day in Kansas City. Uh, this game could have been even more out of reach, uh, but the Browns were on the unfortunate end of a pretty pretty drastic and I guess in my opinion rule we might we will be talking about this in later on in the segment uh but it really changed the momentum at the end of the half as the chiefs were able to go down and get a field goal right before halftime uh to have a distant distanced league or lead uh going into halftime which they really needed mahomes went down twice in this game uh once he hurt his toe and was obvious apparently limping uh especially while trying to run and move around the pocket the second time sent him to the locker room for good uh oh there has been a lot of um questions surrounding the injury that he had um that it came out that he had suffered a concussion but when you watch the replay it didn't look like he actually hit his head on anything a lot of speculation was that he received whiplash from the way that his head uh, popped back when it got close enough to the ground because of the way that he was tackled. But there have also been some other reports that he had a pinched nerve in his neck, which stopped blood flow to his head. Hence the reason why he looked like a uh, baby deer trying to stand up for the first time after he got off the field with the help of his lineman and not knowing where he was. So we'll see his status for next week is in question in that championship game, which will be obviously a huge loss for the chiefs. But Chad Henney, when, when you got him, anything is possible. He laid it all on the line on that third down in 24. Uh, he was quoted after the game saying, this team has given so much to me. I, I laid my body on the line for that team. He dove for that first down, was just short. And then Andy Reid had the guts of steel to go for it on fourth down. No one thought. And I mean, no one thought that they were going for it. Everyone thought they were going to hard count, try and drum off sides, but they ran a quick out route to Tyreek Hill on that fourth down. 
and caught everyone by surprise. The Browns were kind of standing up, not ready for the play, and they sent the house on a blitz, and it was the perfect play call for it. Uh, and the Chiefs made it just barely to the AFC Championship. Uh, and for all of our listeners out there, if you have progressive insurance, uh, this game just goes to show that State Farm is better. Uh, so you should be switching from uh, progressive to State Farm. And sorry to all of our Browns fans at at home right now. Uh, but thanks to Progressive and the commercials with Baker Mayfield, you'll feel right at home with Baker Mayfield this weekend, as you all will be watching the AFC Championship game from your couch. Uh, the Saints versus the Bucks. I mentioned that this game was aired on the History Channel. It wasn't, but it should have been, as you had two timeless players uh, out there for what is possibly one of them's last appearance on a football field in a jersey ever again. Um, Tom Brady outdueled Drew Brees in round three this season. Uh, fun fact is that Jameis Winston actually had a better passing day than Drew Brees. They props to Sean Payton absolutely stealing a play from their uh, wild card matchup with the Chicago Bears. They ran the exact same play against the Bucks, and it resulted in a touchdown. Three interceptions for Breeze and possibly his last game ever wasn't a great final outing, not an MVP performance uh, by any means, but one of the greatest NFL careers as a quarterback uh, injured a lot at the end of his um, prime, but it, New Orleans will be different next year without him leading that team. But Tampa Bay is in the NFC championship game. And when Tom Brady isn't in the AFC championship game, well, I guess he's in the NFC championship game. Uh, it'll be, it'll be a great game to watch at two Oh five on Fox. As we see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady square off for a second time this season, uh, Brady and the bucks got the best of Rodgers in their first meeting down in Tampa. Aaron Rodgers was off of his game. He had a multi interception uh, performance against the Buccaneers that weekend um, so it'll be round two. Can Tom Brady go up to Lambeau and steal a victory from the favorite Packers? Uh, I think opening lines had this game around a three point, uh, favorite for the Packers as a three point favorite. Um, so it expect a close game up in Lambeau. And, uh, and there could be a snowstorm in Lambeau during this game. So that's, uh, keep it. If you're betting on that game, keep an eye on the weather. You could see a snowstorm in Green Bay. So. You could also see a snowstorm right, well, not really right down the road, but down in Kansas City, there is a possibility to have a snow game there as well as Buffalo brings their disgusting weather down to the Midwest in Kansas City. That game kicks off at 540 on CBS. Uh, obviously, if you are betting on this game, I think this game opened around a three, as Kansas City is a three-point favorite. They're pretty close this time. Um but keep your eye on Patrick Mahomes' status uh, as the week unfolds. Um, a lot should be able to be uh, heralded from uh, the activities, especially Wednesday. They are expecting Patrick Mahomes to possibly be able to practice in some capacity on Wednesday this week. Uh, so look to that if you are going to be betting on that game. But otherwise, you have a the championship game of the old like the old crowd of quarterbacks and then you have the AFC where you're ushering in the new guard of younger quarterbacks and Patrick Mahomes 
as well as Josh Allen will be around the AFC for quite some time. And other NFL news that transpired this week is uh, the NFL did announce that um, the NFL Combine will not be held this season uh, in Indianapolis as it usually is. Uh, some fans around the league are applauding like our own uh, co-host Mike. He doesn't, doesn't really garter anything from the NFL Combine. Some people do use it as an assessment, um, but other than that, the NFL did announce that pro days will be happening at college campuses, so scouts are obviously still going to be able to go watch pro days. In this capacity, it's really just a showcase of what you can do while you practice and what your work ethic is. Um, yeah. I don't think you garter a lot of information from that either, Obviously, a lot of these teams are going to see uh, what they needed to from tape. But the harder thing to uh, account for this year is how many players in college opted out, uh, especially a lot of the projected first round players who opted out of this season. The, the only thing you could garner from a combine or a pro day is the health of people who might have been injured late in the season and you didn't get film on after an injury that's the time that those are useful. Other than that, I'd much rather go watch Trevor Lawrence play football, which I have ample film opportunities to do, than go care about how fast he runs a 40-yard dash or how big his hands are. I don't care. Or how much he can football. bench press or what his vertical leap is. Yeah, watch him play football. When was the last time that you needed to vertically leap to be a successful quarterback? I don't think as a quarterback you should be leaping over too many defenders because it puts you into a – potentially dangerous situation yeah. for your health. Agreed. The, I guess the the only thing that some players might not be happy about is players from smaller schools who don't get as much attention. Um, some of those players can really wow at the combine and move them move their way up the draft board, but hopefully NFL teams are scouting adequately and looking for some of those players as well. Um because it usually seems like some of those players are huge impacts for your team. Yeah, I suppose that's another good instance of it. But I just don't – yeah, I, I don't get why people care so much about the combine. Anywho, um, moving right along to everyone's favorite segment of the week, we got Mike's Stupid Rules. We're going to talk about two separate things that occurred on the same play um, in the Browns versus – um, boy, who'd the Browns play? I'm banking on it. Browns Chiefs in the Browns Chiefs game um, over the weekend. Um, so basically, what happened is the Browns caught a pass um, down deep in Chiefs territory, and the receiver was diving for the end zone when he got hit and fumbled the ball, which went into the end zone and then out of bounds. Um, the official ruling on that play was a touchback which is 100% the correct rule. Um, if you look at um, Rule 8, Section 7, Article 3, Item 4, um, Part A, it specifically says, if a ball is fumbled in the field of play and goes forward into the opponent's end zone and over the end line or sideline, a touchback is awarded to the defensive team. That one's pretty straightforward. The officials absolutely got that right. Um, so good on those officials for getting that right. Now, that, of course, wasn't the controversial part of this play. Um, the controversial part of this play is there is the possibility that there is an illegal um, hit to the helmet of the Browns receiver on that play. 
And I know Wyatt um, has some thoughts on that um, as we're going to talk about that call specifically and then how the rule for helmet-to-helmet contact, um, com- the rules compare between the college game and the NFL game. Well, first of all, looking at that hit, if that were to happen at the college level, um, by NCAA rules, that would be targeting and you would get tossed. Um, in the NFL, that's not the case. Uh, I believe the nomenclature of the NFL is you can't strike anybody – you can't lead with the crown in your helmet. I think that's still a rule. They might have taken that out last year. So, the, so the, go ahead. The nomenclature in the NFL is using a part of a player's helmet or face mask to butt, spear, or ram an opponent. Um, that's in the rules. And then um, it is a, the other one is it is a foul if a player lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. I don't think that happened in either of these cases, though. Um, and I don't think that that should be a rule. Obviously, if you look at the replay, the helmet-to-helmet contact happened after the initial contact of shoulder, right? I, I only watched the play twice, so correct me if I'm wrong. But it looked like um, when the tackle was made, the tackle was made helmet-to-shoulder first before the helmets touched. It wasn't like the, uh, the Saints playoff game two years ago where you have obvious helmet-to-helmet disgusting contact. Um, this was just a tackle being made. It was a low tackle. Both of the, the running back or the, the wide receiver and the, the back were both low. Uh, you can't do a whole lot about that. I don't think this should be a penalty. I don't know what all the fuss is about. Well, so there's a, there was a lot of fuss surrounding Gene Steratore, who's the rules analyst for CBS. Uh, he came on saying that he believes, and I want to get your opinions on this, he believes that the NFL should be able to review plays like that buzz down and review or even call it on the field and review it. Now we're getting into an issue in college football where, yes, if you review things, they look way more egregious than they could be on the field of play. You slow everything down. It can look really, really bad. Right. And you slowed this play down and it looked worse than it was when the play happened in real time. Should the NFL next in next year, either next year or in years prior or afterward uh put in a a that make that as a reviewable play i even if you did review this where would he what would the penalty be let's imagine you could review this what would the penalty come back from the booth it probably would be a 15 yard unnecessary roughness penalty which they throw now i guess in which case that fumble would have been overruled and i I don't know where they would have put the football, though. Well, you, you'd put the football. Oh, penalty would be enforced. After the after. fumble. So, it, yeah, it uh, wouldn't it, change. Yeah, it's true. Pen- anyway. Well, penalty occurs before the change of possession, meaning it negates the change of possession. But the penalty still – but it would still be enforced from the original spot of the play, I believe. Correct, Wyatt? Um. Let's just assume that's not even the case because I don't think this would be unnecessary roughness. I have no idea what penalty this would even be, right? And, and I'm pretty sure going back to this, I think otherwise, other than unnecessary roughness, like a 15-yard penalty. Right. I mean, it might fall in the part where it is a foul if a player lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. It's only – that's – you're only going to see that against an offensive player, though. But what, what is the, the rule for, for all of our listeners to look up? Yeah, that is rule, um, rule 12, um, section 
Ooh, got to find that section so I didn't have that. Left. Section 2, Article 10. Rule 12, Article 2, Section 10. Um, so that's the new addition to the rule just in the last couple of years, the rule book about using the helmet in general. That's the one that's also been added to sometimes call offensive players for initiating contact by lowering the helmet. That's a relatively new rule in the NFL. But you never see it called. I can't think of the last time I've seen that called on the field. I saw it called on a fullback who initiated contact with his head while blocking. You very rarely see that call made um, unless it's against a defenseless player, which is in other aspects of the rule, which is covered in other rules. Section 9 of that same rule I just just, uh, referenced. Yep. I don't know. Going back to the question of whether or not they should be able to review whatever you want to call this, sure. Uh, I think the officials in the booth and on the field can tell the difference between how bad something looks in real time versus in slow motion. It's it's hard to do, but I, I do think for the most part, college referees are already doing that. And if they want to, if the NFL wants this to be a reviewable play, I think they should. I don't see a real reason not to. Whether or not there should be a penalty to begin with, that this play in particular, I, I don't. Um, you, you don't see Section 2, Article 10 being used hardly ever. Like I said, I can't remember, Kyle, you had an example, but I, I, I almost never see this called in the NFL. And there's some, been some pretty nasty hits uh, leading with the head. Yeah. This is one where I looked at it live and I was like, that looks like a football play to me. Yeah. And it was. What, I mean, what, in, what do you want the defender to do there? The defender is trying to lead with the shoulder. He's moving horizontally, like with the plane of the goal line to try and make a tackle, knock the defender out of the bounds. The defender happens to go in at the same level while diving. It That is a football play. It's not a defenseless player because he's attempting to make he, – or he's making that football move. And I just want to say for all those people out there who are getting angry at that official for not calling that or flagging that, if you were in that position, would you be able to – call that on the field while the defend or while the offensive player is diving for the pylon loses possession of the football ball goes out of bounds. You're looking at five different things in that instance. Uh, you, you have three officials looking at it though. Yeah. Where that happened, you have, I don't know what side of the field is on, but you have either the, the down judge or the, the linesman one too. And then you have either the front or side judge and the back judge looking at it. So you'll, you'll have three officials. It was, and, it was a 40 yard play though. Was yeah. It? The officials are more spread out. That's true. I don't know. I, I don't see where the huge controversy is. I, I can understand why you would initially want to be really upset about that, about a, a no call in air quotes, but I, I just don't see it. And I don't think that should be a penalty. Like you said, what do you do, right? How, how do you defend against that? Do you expect him to go to like throw his backside at the receiver? Like I <laughs> yeah. can't shoot with my no. head. Backside at you and hope I knock you out of bounds. <laughs> Throw your foot at him. And that would be a penalty. You that would be kick a receiver. No, but or, I get a penalty. I wanted to get your opinion on this too. Do you think that rule of fumbling a ball out of the end zone for a touchback with the change of possession is too drastic of a penalty? I know on air they were talking about the a change where it should be move the ball back to the like to the offensive uh, team's twenty yard line. No, don't fumble the ball out of your own end zone. Right, that's what yeah. I think. Or out of the opponent's end zone. So, 
the the question is so why why the change of possession right because normally if you fumble a ball out of bounds even forwards it's just brought back to the spot of the fumble and it's still your ball so why does the fact that it went out of bounds in the end zone force the change of possession that's the question like if it went out of the back of the end zone i could understand right because then you could make the argument that the fact that it was the end zone may have prohibited the defensive team's ability to recover the football. Right. But why out the side of the end? I actually like your question why it's out the side of the end zone. I, I agree right. with the it's back. It's not like the fact should... that it was the end zone changed the ability right. of that ball to be recovered. That ball wasn't going to be recovered by anybody no matter where that occurred on the field. That ball was going out of bounds. Maybe maybe the NFL should change it to out of the back at the end, which is a very distinguishable thing because you have that back corner pylon. So either way, it was absolutely the correct ruling. That is the way the NFL rules are written. Um, you can debate whether it should be changed um, because I don't know why the fact that it being in the end zone means a change of possession, but it was absolutely the correct ruling based on the NFL. Something to think about. Let us know your thoughts and if maybe that rule should change to. Uh, not have that be a change of possession out the side of the end. Why you look like you're still thinking about that one. I, I'm gonna have to still think about it. I'm not sure how, how I feel about about that rule. Um I, I don't have any context to discuss it here, but that's something I'll think about. And if I come up with some massive revelation, we'll talk about it next week's episode. Sounds good. Um but in the meantime, we'll move right along to our write that down prediction segment, which as always will start with our accountability session which will be relatively short this week. Only three predictions coming off the board. Um, we'll start with one from Kyle, who predicted way back at the beginning of the year that the Saints would win the NFC um, with their elimination in the playoffs to the Buccaneers this weekend. They will not win the NFC. So for that, Kyle gets a nah. Josh predicted a Packers versus Browns Super Bowl. Um, could still get the Packers part. We'll find out this weekend. But he will not get the Browns half of that. So for that, he gets a nah. nah. And Kyle predicted that Pat Mahomes would throw for 450 yards passing. Um, I don't know what he got, but it wasn't 450 yards. So 255 yards before he went out of the game. Yeah, that's not enough. So for that, Kyle gets a nah. nah. Three long predictions is all we got from an accountability session this week. Um, Kyle, would you like to start by putting some stuff on the board? Yeah, so my luck for football isn't panning out, so I'm going to switch to baseball uh, and say that the Royals will be in third place or better at the end of May, which is the end of our write-that-down season. Um, third place or better. So basically you're saying there'll be at least teams in the division worse. Than well, on paper, the Tigers are probably worse than the Royals. Other than that, I can't say definitively there's another team worse than the Royals. Um, boy, the White Sox and Twins are probably both better on paper. And the Indians might be about the same or a little bit better still. I think I would still take Indians pitching over Royals pitching. Yeah, I think I would. Um, what do you think? I'm thinking double on this. Yeah, I was thinking it would be a double toss-up. That's what it meant. Okay. I'd say double. All right, double it is. I have done baseball predictions for a couple weeks now, but I'm going to switch back to football as we approach the Super Bowl. 
I'm going to predict that the Buffalo Bills do not win the Super Bowl. Somebody other than the Bills will win the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. Is that single-worthy? Probably not. Is it? It's either a single or a double, right? Well, certainly not a triple. No. Gives the Bills the second best chance to win the Super Bowl behind the Packers. Really? Yeah, the, the chances that the Bills don't win the Super Bowl are 72%. Uh, single? I don't know. Is it a single? Probably. I don't know if they'll even go to the Super Bowl, bro. I'm okay with a single unless you're going to argue. No, a single is absolutely that's, the correct That's thing. kind of what I thought. I don't know. I was being dead silent because I thought I was going to – a double for something that was absolutely not double worthy. You got to keep on mind. I hopped on the Bills bandwagon, so yeah, I'm pretty excited about this. Breaking season. tables now and fighting people. No. What? Yeah, can I see you? Buy, if you're on the Bills bandwagon, can I see you body slam a table? Why? Yeah, I'll go break a table. table <laughs> Multiple tables. Set them on fire. Right. Dude, right. I I'm in it. Right. Um, in, in a similar vein. I'm going to say that Pat Mahomes does take another snap yet this postseason. Mm. So he, either he'll be in the game this coming, or if the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, uh, he'll be there as well. See, this seems like a no-brainer to me, but when you saw him go down, did you see his legs? Yeah, he was in the fencing position. Yeah. I. When that happens, that's usually pretty massive, you know, and for your quarterback, uh, I don't know. I think this isn't as, as clear cut as you might think. Have you, have you guys seen the gif of the uh, the um, security guard at the gate where he's just doing the little, like, barely doing the wipe down as he's trying to do a pat down outside of a sporting event? No. 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 Are talking about right now. That's, that's Patrick that? Holmes going through the concussion protocol this week. <laughs> I mean, with all the scrutiny all that the NFL has been under for concussion and, and TBI stuff, I don't know. It's done independently of the Chiefs and some steps even independently of the NFL. Yeah. So, no. I know, it's a dupe. I'm still between a single and a double on this one. Kyle, what do you think? I'd, I had said double. I'm fine with giving it a double. That's what I wanted. We had anything for Josh this week? Is he still alive? He is. Josh is going to double down on his prediction from the previous week. If you remember last week's episode, he predicted that Alan Lazard would score two touchdowns in the playoffs. Now, after his touchdown this week, Josh is predicting that Alan Lazard will score two more touchdowns in the playoffs, at least, for at least two more touchdowns for a total of three. Lazard scores at least two more touchdowns in the playoffs. Yeah. Last week, we gave him a home run for saying he'd get two TDs in the playoffs. I mean, I feel like we have to do the same. Oh, yeah. If we're going to be consistent, I guess. Right. Last time, we gave him a home run for saying he'll get two TDs in three games. Now he's saying he'll get two TDs in two games, and we're going to give him less. That doesn't make sense. Was he injured at the time that he made that prediction, though? No. No. Or was he? Okay. He had been injured earlier in the year, but no. He was projected to play all three games. All right. Yeah, I, we got to be consistent then. Ooh. Yeah, we might come to regret giving him the home run on the first one there, but I agree that we have to be consistent. Yep. So, with a single double and a home run, that concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 115 of Theater 11 Cast. We appreciate you sticking around and tuning into next week's episode as well, which we know you're going to do. Signing off for Theater 11 Cast, we have our hosts Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig. 
and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.